Think Tank with me, Steve Adubato, is brought to you by these public-spirited organizations. The New Jersey Economic Development Authority, United Airlines, New Jersey Sharing Network, dedicated to saving lives through organ and tissue donation. Delta Dental of New Jersey, everyone deserves a healthy smile. New Jersey Resources, Seton Hall University, come see what great minds can do. Adler Aphasia Center, offering therapeutic programming for stroke and brain injury survivors with aphasia. And by St. Joseph's Health, world-class care just around the corner. Promotional support provided by bestofnj.com, all New Jersey in one place. And by Insider NJ. Welcome to Think Tank, the podcast. I'm Steve Adubato. The program you're about to see was taped earlier this year. Clearly, so much has changed since then, and unfortunately, a lot of uncertainty and fear remain. But the content in this Think Tank podcast and the issues explored will still matter once we get through these very difficult times together. Most importantly, we hope and pray that you and your family are safe. So without further ado, Think Tank, the podcast. Welcome to Think Tank, the podcast. I'm Steve Adubato. We're coming to you from East May Media Studios in Little Falls, New Jersey. Very special edition of uh, Think Tank, the podcast. And I'm joined right in studio by our lead producer of Think Tank, the program on public broadcasting, Nicole Swannerton. How are you doing? Pretty great. How about you? Good, good, good. We're uh, going to be joined by our friend Pete An uh, Analia, who is, in fact, the general manager of Insider New Jersey in just a second. We're going to be talking about young people and their vote and role in politics. Yes, super important topic right now. And it matters to you a lot as well. Let folks know who our underwriters are, our sponsors. Sure. Thanks to New Jersey Economic Development Authority, Seton Hall University, New Jersey Sharing Network, and Delta Dental. Hey, uh, Pete Analia, who is the uh, general manager of Insider NJ. How you doing, buddy? Doing well. Hope you guys are doing well as well. Thank you for uh, having me on the podcast. I'm a big fan, of course, and uh, looking forward to talking about the topic for a couple minutes. You got it. Hey, by the way, Pete, let everybody know what Insider is all about. So Insider and Jay uh, was founded in 2017, February, so we're almost three years old. Um, I like to think of it as a political intelligence network for uh, political insiders, government staffers, lobbyists, elected officials, uh, kind of giving you the, uh, the real story um, deep into the underbelly of New Jersey politics. Um, and connecting and providing context for the various issues um, that happen all across the state. A lot of times something happens in Trenton, it's connected to something in Bergen County, which is connected to something in Camden, and just basically tying it all together and, and uh, hopefully on a good day also providing some provocative questions and interesting uh, analysis for people to chew on and, and think about. And it's must read, if you will, and must see for those of us who cover New Jersey and the nation, frankly, politically. Let's set this up. Lauren Duca, we were about to see an interview we did with Lauren Duca, who is a journalist and author of a book called How to Start a Revolution, Young People and the Future of American, American Politics. Pete, before I bring uh, Nicole in as a younger person who cares deeply about the American political system, 2020 election, how much impact do you think, quote, young people will have? And does that, does it matter who the candidates are? I think that every election to an extent uh, is always bandied about as one where, um, you know, a specific demographic is going to make or break it, um, either young people or older people or, look, as we just saw um, 
just a week ago, uh, the African American community. By the way, we're uh, taping this in, in for, one second. We're taping this on March. Um, there's Super Tuesday, a whole bunch of things, but things have happened since then. The minority community, but how extensive, how powerful and influential do you think younger people will be in this election? Uh, I think they'll they'll be as influential um, as they want to be in terms of turning out to vote. Uh, a lot of people kind of ascribe the younger population to being more in the Bernie Sanders camp. Um, that being said, when you look at a lot of the primary results, it doesn't seem like he's really expanded that base. So I think it ultimately comes down to not so much, you know, how much do young people turn out, um, because they have been turning out to an extent in various elections. Uh, and sometimes they are... Uh, you know, they can make a big difference. Really, it comes down to engaging those folks who don't vote. Um, and that's what a lot of people say this election between the primary battle and, of course, the general election is turning out people who don't normally vote. And it probably is fair to say that younger people aren't as consistent with their voting um, as other demographics may be. And by the way, by the time this program, the think tank, uh, the podcast program airs, we'll find out who the Democratic nominee is. It may be Bernie Sanders, maybe Joe Biden. Real quick, uh, Nicole, from your perspective, you've always been interested in politics? Uh, up until I uh, started off in college is when I really found my interest in politics and, and found um, why it's so important to be involved. If I were to ask you this way, you're a producer who's not actively involved in supporting candidates when you represent us and our work on public broadcasting, but two or three issues younger people care deeply about when it comes to the political system are? Sure, I would say um, healthcare, climate change, and gun control are three issues that I see um, many millennials really caring about right now because those are top issues that are really going to affect our lives uh, within the next five to 10 years. Not that we don't care about everybody's about lives, student but debt? student debt, hundred percent as well. Big issues there. And so again, the presidential election, hopefully we'll have a meaningful conversation where the young people vote in large numbers or not. Young people are deeply affected by policies made on the national level and state level as well. Hey, Pete, stay with us because we're going to also be talking to you on the back end of uh, this Think Tank, the podcast program, because on, we're also going to get your perspective on an interview we did with Bill Ritter, our good friend, who's an anchor over at Eyewitness News over at ABC, talking about the role of the media today. Uh, I'm Steve. That is Nicole. Pete uh, Anelia, who is over at Insider, and Jay, the general manager, is on the line as well. But check out this interview. Let me tell you this. If you ever wanted to see somebody who comes on the air, you're smiling because you know where I'm going, Nicole, who says what she thinks and doesn't care what anyone thinks about what she has to say, it's Lauren Duca, and here's that conversation. Autism is one of the fastest growing developmental disorders in the U.S. Here in New Jersey, one in every 41 children is diagnosed with autism. And when a child is diagnosed with autism, every member of the family is affected. While there currently is no cure for autism, early detection and intervention can offer critical improvements for the child and tremendous benefits for the family. To learn more about autism, contact the Binder Autism Center at St. Joseph's Children's Hospital. There she is, Lauren Duca, journalist <laughs> and the author of How to Start a Revolution, Young People and the Future of American Politics. Good to see you. Thanks for having me. Um, 
starting, wait, why, what's the revolution? Why do we need a revolution? Can't we just have a civil discourse about politics in this nation? Well, I, I think the revolution includes civil discourse. I think the revolution is about understanding that we all need to have an active role in our democracy and the ways in which we've been boxed out and alienated from understanding that are so extreme. We have this disconnect where we view democracy as sort of an abstract historical achievement and feel no right to be having any sort of political conversations whatsoever. Now you say we. Millennials? I think the average American, but what I've studied in my book and what I'm most interested in galvanizing is this shift that is occurring for millennials and Gen Z, where we're no longer passively navigating a broken system, but we're actively seeking to change it. And there's this idea that young people just don't care. Go ahead, play uh, that. That's, you just took the next question. The, so just don't say they do. Tell me about what. Well I, well, I would love to say that there's this idea that young people don't care, and it's stated as if it's a natural extension of low voter turnout statistics. The reality is we've always been quite passionate. If we can talk in generational, demographic scale, millennials and Gen Z tend to be very altruistic. We are passionate about social justice. We want to leave the world a better place than we found it. What's changing now is that we understand that we can take action in a traditional political sense. We feel qualified to run for office and start nonprofits, and at a lower level to contact our elected officials, to make donations, to otherwise raise our voices and express political opinions. And that's changing because before we were waiting our turn. So Congresswoman Ocasio-Cortez, she symbolized anything connected to what you just described? Because she, I believe, as we do this program, she's only 29 years of age. Yes. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is a stunning example of this shift. And I think the most amazing thing about her is the way that she's reaching people. She's breaking down policy proposals right next to beauty advice on Instagram. And in that, you see what's really missing. So many politicians have make absolutely no effort to reach out to young people. You know, we're told that, that we don't care, but where's all the stock crap my generation cares about in the average political campaign? You know, it's not at a superficial level, it's not hard to market to young people. Mm. Well, look at this junk that's next to the cash register at Urban Outfitters. Why is that not present? Why are we not talking to young people on Instagram, on Twitter, in, in with the kind of language we use. That, that stuff is not hard. There's just, there's an incentivization for incumbents to maintain the situations that got them elected. Status quo ain't gonna get it done. No effort so to expand the electorate. So hold on one second, sorry for interrupting. I don't wanna turn this into a Tucker Carlson interview. Okay. Google the interview from uh, December 2016 with two of you. Uh-huh. Not as civil as this is. No. You recently had, you wrote about gaslighting. Mm-hmm and gaslighting America, if you will, and we'll put that term into context in just a second. But you also, right next to it, was there something about thigh-high boots? <laughs> uh, I, mean, I mean, meaning my producers are talking to me about that. So you have no problem uh -huh. talking about substantive, important, controversial, but very important political issues, but talking about culture and social issues and fashion. You don't, you don't have these Barriers. Yes, and I don't think that they should exist. I think that the idea that pop culture and politics somehow have to be treated as if they're oil and vinegar is ridiculous. Mm. We all have to Are have- Are we serious or fun? 
See, anything, we can have serious and non-serious interests. You know, what is democracy? Democracy is interrogating the question of how we ought to live together. And surely we have to be able to enjoy our lives while we're doing that. And the idea that there are certain interests, right, like thigh-high boots or nail art or whatever the case may be that are disqualifying is totally absurd. And I think that the more you poke at it, the more you see it's all made up, right? Like, what made golf so serious? Uh, don't you dare talk about <laughs> golf. Do you and like my, golf? You seem like you probably do. Did you, did you just say you seem like you probably like golf? A minute. I, I love golf. <laughs> and my question is, what was your first clue? Is it the aging middle age thing? That, well, here's what it? what it is. You look how you, the way that you, I like you. This is a good interview, right? Uh, but what you, if you thought I sucked, would you tell me? Well, yes. Okay, And I ahead. think that you present, surprised. look, the aesthetics of how you present are endless automatically authoritative. If you walk into the room and you say, I have an idea, people are going to listen. If I walk YouTube, into the room and stop. say, I have an idea, no, I'm constantly, that's what happened on Tucker Carlson. I was discussing my gaslighting interview, and he says to me, stick to the thigh-high boots. That meant stick to writing about fashion. He said that. I'm sorry, I should have looked at it before. Yeah. He literally said, that dismissive. Stick to the thigh-high boots. Stick to those silly, girly interests. And the thing is, who says, right? I think we have to challenge what kind of person is automatically given entry into the political conversation because you should have entry, but so should I. Why couldn't we both we easily, comfortably, confidently be in the conversation? Because there are all of these bizarre secret rules so that, that make it the case so that the straight white man seems as if they are automatically qualified. And it's so much harder to peel back your right and your sense of permission and your sense of agency. So, so much of what I'm looking at in the shift that's happening is that there was this sort of abstract feeling of alienation. One PhD student said to me, I understood people could be going to town halls, but not that I should be doing that. Another college student said, it seems like politics is a thing important men do off in a room somewhere. And what we see all the time, the kinds of people we see having these conversations, the kinds of people we see as our politicians and our media gatekeepers more often look like you than they look like me. And that creates the situation in which we don't feel like we have a seat at the table and we just haven't been invited. What's changing now is we're building our own damn tables. I say Donald Trump and you say... Elizabeth Warren. Wait, but why do you have to be? I, <laughs> you go political right away. I mean, <laughs> Donald Trump. To uh, here's me. why. No, here's why I'm saying it. In terms of how you see him mm. as a leader. Okay, <laughs> again, you have someone who you view as someone who you think should replace him. As we do this, there's a little impeachment thing going on. You may have heard about it. Uh, it's in the fall of 2019. We're taping this. We'll see this after. Forget about the election for a uh -huh. second. Talk about him as a political figure in this nation. Not just who you'd like to replace him, but him. Okay, yeah, I didn't understand the word association. Go ahead, I'm sorry. Donald Trump is a mendacious moron who is completely unfit for office at a mental level, never mind the extensive corruption using this office to give himself power. I think the shift that's happening is not just about him. I like to say he's sort of like a CSI blacklight, you know? We can see all the gross white stuff, but it's been there all along. And what was so shocking about his election for me and so many of the young people I interviewed is that all and of our- And your book, for your book. Yes. I'm sorry. For all of our, all of our political media gatekeepers told us that it was 
absolutely ridiculous. The thought of this man becoming president was not a possibility. I mean, it's never going to happen. And then it became a possibility, and we we're forced to question the endless authority of these figures and to say, hey, who makes the rules? How does this system actually work? And how can we stop accepting the complete inequity and moneyed interests that outweigh our voices as just the way A few seconds, are. 2020. All right, well, you've made it clear who you like, but what do you think that campaign will come down to for the voting group that you're particularly concerned about, millennials? I think that what I'm really excited about about the primary right now is it's emerged already as a conversation about ideas. We're looking at the inequality that defines American life, the way the wealth and power are contained, mm. constrained by the fewest richest people and corporations, and understanding how we can redistribute it back to the American people. So the other thing I would say is Two seconds, go ahead. my political views are feminist and quite radical, but my book is for everyone. And my goal as a journalist is to increase public power. So I believe that people, no matter their views, as many people as we can get invested in the political conversation, actively voting, actively participating as citizens, the healthier democracy will be. Democracy is not a spectator sport. No. And you just proved it. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome back <laughs> You okay. threw me off with the word, Kate. Stop. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> I was like, we'll we're on right, password. <laughs> we're still on the air. We're we'll still be right on back the air. after this. I could feel my lungs fill with oxygen and I got my life back. The sharing network means to me hope, life, and everything. The sharing network was a lifeline to me when I really needed it. We are an organ procurement organization. The core purpose of the New Jersey Sharing Network is to save and enhance lives. To honor those who gave. Pay tribute to those who received. Offer hope to those who continue to wait. And remember the lives lost while waiting. For the gift of life. Think Tank with me, Steve Adubato, is brought to you by these public-spirited organizations. The New Jersey Economic Development Authority, United Airlines, New Jersey Sharing Network, Delta Dental of New Jersey, New Jersey Resources, Seton Hall University, Adler Aphasia Center, and by St. Joseph's Health. Promotional support provided by bestofnj.com and by InsiderNJ. Transportation provided by Airbrook Limousine, serving the metropolitan New York, New Jersey area. Welcome back to uh, Think Tank, the podcast. I'm Steve Adubato in studio with me as the senior producer of Think Tank, the broadcast, Nicole Swinerton. Um, Pete Analia, who's the general manager insider NJ on the line with us. Pete, you still there, buddy? I am. We're going to be introing a, an interview we did with Bill Ritter over at the WNET Tish Studio in New York. He's the anchor. Bill is an anchor at Eyewitness News WABC. He talked about the role of the media today, the president calling the media fake news. By the way, Pete, when you hear fake news, you think what? Oh, uh, usually I think of some Russian agent <laughs> sitting in a, a silo somewhere in Siberia, sending, you know, just totally fake information, uh, you know, around the world. Although, oh, hold on, but we get really, called fake. Sorry for interrupting, Pete. We get called fake media by the president. Does it bother you? Uh, yeah, because um, there is real fake news out there, uh, and fake news is not something that we merely don't like. And I think uh, fake news, the connotation uh, basically has become of, I don't agree with it, or I don't like what that person is saying. It's fake news. It's got to be fake. Um, <laughs> and and we, we run into that all the time. And, you know, the uh, one question that I always ask for an example is, you know, let's say 
uh, a congressman sends a letter or releases a statement uh, citing a news report about allegations of corruption or wrongdoing or something that he doesn't like. And he says, well, you know, the, the president or the senator or the governor is a jerk because of X, Y, and Z. And somebody can sit there and say, well, that's fake news because, you know, I don't agree with them. But the fact that a congressperson or an elected official in their official capacity is saying something, not necessarily uh, talking about the merits of what they're right. saying, well, is that fake news or is that news? An elected of official is saying something, they're releasing a statement. Got to report it. Source, like that in and of itself is newsworthy. Pete, do me a favor, stay right there as we get ready for the Bill Ritter interview. Uh, you've been in journalism for the last couple of years since you graduated from Seton Hall University, right? Yep. Been with our team as a producer. You hear fake news. You, Your reaction is? It's super upsetting. Um, I think there's a lot of awesome journalists out there doing really hard work and just We also trying. make mistakes. Sure, sure. But um, the fact that uh, the leader of our country is um, making us out to be the enemy is very That's upsetting. That's right, enemy of the people. Is that worse? It's worse. It's, I mean, it's terrible. And I just think it's irresponsible because people need a truthful uh, news source. And if nobody can trust anybody, then where are we getting our news? And uh, that's Nicole. You've just listened to Pete Anelia from Insider NJ. You're about to listen to Bill Ritter from an interview we did at the Tisch WNET studio uh, in New York over at 66 and Broadway. He talks about the role of the media today. He talks about the need to be more civil and the way we interact with each other. Pete, and I want to thank you. Thank you, Nicole. And uh, let's go to our friend, Bill Ritter. Uh, Bill Ritter's on the air with well, us here at Public Television. Right I was now. just chewing a piece of ice. <laughs> That's make what sure, do. We'll sure do it was. live. <laughs> We're live. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to do inside stuff That's like right. that. This is Bill Ritter. He's an anchor uh, over at uh, Channel 7 Eyewitness News, WABC. You can check him out at 5, 6, and 11. And on the weekends for... Up close, uh, public affairs politics show uh, Sunday morning at 11 o'clock. Terrific show. I can see my studio from my backyard or from your front yard here. It's right actually behind us, but yeah. you guys are moving in a few years. Yeah, four and a half years or something. We're building a new, uh, Disney's building a new ABC, WABC building for Disney and everything else uh, down in lower Manhattan. Right but you love the Upper West Side, don't you? And I'm going to learn to love the, <laughs> the lower part of Manhattan. I love the Upper West Side. Uh, tell <laughs> folks where you came from, because you had a print background. Yes, I uh, spent 15 years uh, doing print, uh, most, uh, recent, most recently. Before I came into television, I worked for the right. LA Times. Um, and they said, you know, why are you going to television? You know, I said, well, I, I, I'm going to do something maybe that I, I could fail at. You know, why, right. why not give it a shot? I was 30, almost 37. And I thought, you know, why not give it a shot, something I'd try? And they said, television, this is the LA Times, it's going to be along, <laughs> around forever. Yeah. And it is around, and it's making a comeback, and it's doing good work. But I, I, uh, it, it took a long time to get there, and newspapers have not had great... Not all newspapers have done well uh, in the last 20, 30 years. Bill and I have uh, lots of conversations on the air and off, and, and one of the things we're very focused on, not selfishly, but hopefully for the larger good, is the state of media and journalism. Here's the question. Social media. You're actively engaged. One of the things that always strikes me you about mean you... with this thing? Yeah, that yeah. thing. But one of the things that strikes me about you and following you on Twitter and other social media platforms is you engage, you, you attempt to engage in the most civil, respectful dialogue, particularly with people who disagree on the issues. Why, long-winded question, but why is it so difficult for so many of us who are obsessed with being respectful and civil to have respectful and civil conversations with people who see the world politically differently? Why is that so hard? It's a great question, and now I'm, I'm reevaluating after your question whether no, I should stop. do that. No, <laughs> stop! Um, you know, I, I, I think... At the heart, without sounding sappy, at the heart of it is that I, I believe that uh, people can get along and, and that we don't 
necessarily have to embrace the fact that we have these differences that outweigh the things we have in common because they don't. We have more in common than the differences we have. And I think when you sit down, whether you break bread with someone or have a glass of wine or have a cup of coffee, mm. whatever it is, or engage them and say, you know, tell me why you feel like this and let me offer this and you tell me why you feel like that and try to change my world. Um, I, I think if you do that, you, you tend to get to the core of things and realize that, you know, this person isn't as different as you are. And maybe they have a value in what they're saying. I, you know, I was raised at a place, I, I just posted this on Thanksgiving when I had to work and I said, um, and then see my family, I, I said, you know, I remember these family gatherings at time of, as times when you sit down and you state your case and you make your point and- Today? No. Why because did I avoid these subjects with my family and friends throughout uh, Thanksgiving? Why did I do that? I don't. But you don't? I don't, uh, but I think most Americans do because it's just two cents. And we have gotten into this place and the hearings this, this week. Uh, the, Brother, we're taping in, in, uh, early in December. It's going on right now. You'll be seeing it after okay. as well. The hearings that we saw in yeah, early so it December. It doesn't matter. Go ahead. Um, I know about taping shows. Uh, but we saw this in the hearings where all of a sudden everyone goes to their corners. You know, without actually getting the facts and listening to the facts and hearing the truth and searching for the truth, wherever it may fall. And I, I just think we have gotten a situation where we go to our corners first and figure out how to meet in the center later. Is it worse than it ever? Than it's I, ever there's been? no question. There's no, no doubt. Question, no question. Is it too it. easy to blame Donald Trump? That's a really good question. Um, I think rather than blame, I think that Trump has taken advantage of it uh, and exploited it in a way that no one else has before. So I don't blame, I blame us. I blame every one of us who is engaging in it. But there's no question that he is engaged in it in a different way than anyone else in public life has ever been. He's good at personal, he's good at making it personal. You don't make it personal. We at Public Television are obsessed with not making it personal, but on the issues, substantive conversation. I'm not sure he's good at it. I think he's effective at it. What's the difference? Well, I don't want to put a, a, a good evil value judgment on it. I think that effective, he is effective. Yeah. I think he's effective at it. He, he, he's, he's very shrewd at it. Did you know him back in the day? Uh, I, I met him. I, I met him and I, I interviewed him once or twice, you know, for little things for 2020 and everything else. And, you know, he's, he's Donald Trump, just like everyone else who's, who's seen him around. Yeah, but here's the difference. And again, public television is not our job to express our views here, but I will ask you this, and I've asked most of our friends in, in journalism and media, when the president says we are, quote, fake media, and further, we are the enemy of the people you think and feel and say what? The first thing I do is not take it personally. I do not take it personally. And I, if, I, if I start to lean like that, I say I'm not taking this personally because we can't. We, we, we just can't. It will, it will skew everything, and it's not what we're supposed to be doing. Um, the other thing I think of uh, is George Orwell. And I think that it's just very dangerous when you have a person in that position to say, the people who are reporting the news and who are journalists and who, you know, like a baseball player doesn't hit a ball every time, it sometimes strikes out and makes mistakes, which is the worst, you know this, worst feeling in the world if you make a mistake That's on right. air. If you said something right now that wasn't true, you're gonna feel like poop. There's no question about it, but I know. I, but I would try to own it. And try to own it and you try to correct it. And I've seen you do it as well. And you got to, you have to. Our goal is to report facts and seek the truth wherever they fall. And for someone to say that is scary to me. Not as just a person. someone. Yeah. When the President of the United States says the media uh, is the enemy of the people, I think it's, it's, uh, it's, it's scary. And 
not just scary, and I don't want to necessarily go here, but I, I, I'm Jewish. I, uh, I went and visited a couple of weeks ago the, the Holocaust Museum, uh, the, the Jewish uh, Museum, for, uh, Museum for Jewish Heritage with the Auschwitz Never Forget exhibit. And, you know, you, we can't let that, we cannot go down that road. We cannot accept that as a democracy, professionally, not personally. I'm not going to get angry. We cannot accept that as a democracy. The people of this mm. country can't. And I believe that people who are journalists, who are really engaged in trying to find the facts, who are not tied to a political party, um, you know, that's an honorable part of defending and protecting this democracy. We can't take it personally. We just have to keep doing our job. But as a person, scares the heck out of me. Check out, uh, Bill, by the way, the Be Kind campaign that uh, you and your colleagues are involved in over there, connected to this entire discussion, right? I think so. We, we started it. I, I hashtag be it. kind. Hash, hashtag be kind. Hashtag be kind. And um, yeah, we started it uh, October. We, I proposed it October 1st of 2018. And we started it in February 1st, 2019. We've got enormous response. I just am so proud and pleased at what this station has done by embracing it. And I'm, I mean, this list of successes and not in order necessarily. We have sponsors. We have people who, who send us stuff. Uh, people send videos and pictures of people doing kind things. And you know who else loves us, Steve? It's the cynical old producers that do our shows with you know, a lot of crime and blah, 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 blah. They love it. They love it. it. breaks it up and it says, you know what? We are capable of being good. I'm a student of leadership. That's leadership, taking the initiative and making it happen. Catch Bill at uh, 5, 6, and 11. Uh, right across the street over at uh, Eyewitness News, WABC. Thank you, my friend. Also up close on the weekends. Thank you, buddy. Pleasure as always, Steve. What you're doing. Thank you for the questions. It's one on one. I'm Steve Adubato. We'll be right back. Autism is one of the fastest growing developmental disorders in the U.S. Here in New Jersey, one in every 41 children is diagnosed with autism. And when a child is diagnosed with autism, every member of the family is affected. While there currently is no cure for autism, early detection and intervention can offer critical improvements for the child and tremendous benefits for the family. To learn more about autism, contact the Binder Autism Center at St. Joseph's Children's Hospital. Think Tank with me, Steve Adubato, is brought to you by these public-spirited organizations. The New Jersey Economic Development Authority, United Airlines, New Jersey Sharing Network, Delta Dental of New Jersey, New Jersey Resources, Seton Hall University, Adler Aphasia Center, and by St. Joseph's Health. Promotional support provided by bestofnj.com and by Insider NJ. Transportation provided by Airbrook Limousine, serving the metropolitan New York, New Jersey area.